0: I'm fitted Japan. Yeah, don't tell me no business. I'm all about my business, but I ain't got no briefcase. Yeah, all I got's some whiskey, open and the whiskey, bring it to you. Yeah, I'm leaning up against the door and my pizza to the floor.
1: A ago, yeah, in I'm
0: a man, the What's up, haters? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Fit Japan, and I am your host, Johnny. And as you find folks know, Got Fit Japan is about two dudes... Booze, Japan, and the news. And this is episode number 725. And uh, Vaders, so I got some good news and bad news. And um, if you're like me, you want to hear the bad news first. Well, the bad news is I'm not drinking booze. Nobody's drinking booze. It's it's a sober podcast. I'm actually drinking um hot coffee. Mmm. Very delicious hot coffee. And uh, yeah, and I do have the news. And the news is not the news of this week. The news is of a legend, a living legend from the United States who's living and thriving in Japan. And uh, that is also the good news, by the way. Faders, it is my great honor, my greatest honor, to be honest, to welcome Ensign Inoue to the show. Ensign, thank you so much for being here, sir.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, this is your second time on Got Fated Japan and uh we we had a podcast together we had a lot of fun I think about what three and a half years ago was that was that about right I think it was episode yeah. 500 maybe 490 five some something like that it was a long time ago but uh yeah it's 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 basically needed that you came back to the show it's been too long for you to be in the show on the show and the last time you're on the show you're actually in japan and we're using we're using zoom but now we're using zoom but you're not in japan ensign my friend where are you today i'm in hawaii
1: Woo! hawaii and you're from hawaii right Yes, I'm from Hawaii. So it's an interesting dual trip because my, my parents are getting elderly. So it's nice to always see them mm-hmm. and take care of them. Mm-hmm. And not vacation. I'm here for work. For work? Who goes to Hawaii for work? <laughs> I do. Oh, no.
0: Oh, no. And, and may I ask what kind of work you're doing today?
1: Yeah, I have a, um, I have a Power Stone shop in Hawaii. Whoa. Nice. Look at that. Yeah, so so I make uh like parstone bracelets. What? What? That's incredible. Yeah, so for example, um, I don't know if I can turn this camera around, but right here. So you this is like orders that I've made. Nice. Orders to be made. Wow, look at that. And This is like a display table. Wow! Holy yeah, smokes! Sure.
0: That's amazing. And which part of Hawaii is this? Is your shop in?
1: This is in Honolulu. Um, it's in a district called Kakaako, which is right next to Ala Moana Shopping Center. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of your shop again? Destiny
0: Forever. Destiny Forever. I love it. That's like the best name for a shop. Destiny Forever. It could be right. any kind of a shop, but it's your shop. And the name is Destiny Forever. That is
1: fantastic, Ensign. Wow, that's yeah. cool. How long have you been doing this? I've had this, uh I've had this shop for four years. I've been doing the business for about 12.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. And tell me about the business. Do you actually do you make the beads or I mean, do you design them? I make them or all. make, I make everything. all the bracelets. Wow. That is fantastic. And how do you make a bracelet? Like I'm a painter. If you look behind me, I've got some of my artwork that I I rock, but I've never made any jewelry, but my grandfather made jewelry. So I've always been interested in making jewelry, but I I don't even know where to start. I
1: wrap it with, there's this cords that I have from Japan. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Nice.
1: And I get the beads and I, like, like, for example, you see here, I have all the loose beads that they can pick from. Mm Mm-hmm. Have engravings of sakura, of um, dragons, you know, Yamato Damashi. Yeah, so and then I did what the customers do is they come here and they line up their own custom beads, the ones they want, the, the crystals and the different types of beads. Wow. They choose a string color and I put it together for them. That is awesome.
0: Oh, my God. You put that together for them. So they not only get an amazing piece of jewelry that's meaningful, but a living legend makes it for them and puts it together. Wow. Faders, I don't know what you're doing uh, your next vacation, but I'm going to be in Hawaii. (laughs) I'll be on the beach. I would love to, man. I would love to. Oh, man. So, OK, for all our new faders and uh, people that haven't watched the uh, last episode or that previous episode that you were on. Um, let's talk a little bit about your history. Is that OK? Yes. OK, cool. So you grew up in Hawaii
1: and uh, I'm assuming that was in the 70s. Yeah, I was born in 1967 and I I grew up in Hawaii all the way till I was 23 years old. Cool. Very cool. How was Hawaii back then? Uh, was Hawaii just
0: like very laid back, relaxed, a lot of surfers, or or was it more very touristy? Or what was like the style back then?
1: It's real laid back. Um, not as much big buildings, more uh, rural. It was really nice. Uh, right now, of course, to cater to the biggest industry, which is tourism, yeah. they're building a lot of hotels. It's so a lot little more like a tourist place now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like Chabot, yeah, yeah, you know.
1: It's always has that, you know, the island lifestyle, the laid back, you know, real cruising, real relaxing lifestyle. So you're from one of the most
0: relaxing and beautiful and just amazing parts of the world. How did you get
1: into fighting? Well, um, ironically, in Hawaii, there's a lot, there was a lot of street fights back in my day, not necessarily so many guns. So a lot of street fights. A lot of stuff was settled on the street in Hawaii. So you know, I I always had that little feistiness in me that you know, want to you want to step outside, let's throw down, this, let's let have a little fight, you know, solve it on the on the on the street. Mm. And you know, I just what ha- what was helpful was because we had a lot of street fights. I wanted to learn martial arts just to defend myself. And so you started
0: your career of uh, learning and mastering martial arts in Hawaii.
1: Yeah, well, it was just for the streets. I never thought I'd be a professional fighter and find fight the ring. And, you know, it just, one thing led to another. And uh, I actually went up to Japan for racquetball. But, yeah. You know, I always had that desire to test myself. And I felt that getting in the ring in a hand-to-hand combat with another man would be exhilarating, and to, even to a point where I wouldn't be able to control my emotions. And I was in that mission of learning how to control my emotions. So. Wow. I thought, yeah, let's get in the ring once and try it out and you know, see how I react and see how I can control my emotions. And one fight after another, it just happened, and all of a sudden, it was a career. And your first real fight you fought with, uh, was it Andre? And was, <clears throat> no, my first fight was with a pro wrestler called Shigeta Shingo. You fought a pro wrestler. Wow. Yeah, luckily, because I wasn't a... Um, experienced fighter at all so having someone that was more you know a performer than an actual fighter was actually pretty helpful for me to get the jitters out Wow. I, you know, um, I,
0: I've got friends that love pro wrestling and uh, I, every so often I'll, I'll see a match or a death match in uh, Tokyo. And um, yeah, doing like kind of like the halftime or even after like the matches, you can meet the wrestlers and buy some of their merch, which I highly recommend everybody does. It supports them. And the thing is, those guys, when you shake their hands, it's it's pretty incredible because your hand just disappears. Their hands are big. Uh-huh, big These big are boys. Yeah. Yo, oh, dude, they're big, they're super big. Oh man, I'm a little guy. I know, I know, on the YouTubes or whatever, I look pretty cool and tough or whatever. But uh, in real life, no <laughs> man, not at all. I'm a nice guy. But uh, oh man, yeah, I, I love wrestlers. I love MMA. I love all that stuff. It's great. And so you you started learning here in Japan, and you started. I think your first match was when you were 27. Is that correct? Your first real match? Yes, made my debut at 27. Man, you know what? When I read that, I was like, dude, that is a whole new definition to this 27 club. Because, you know, the 27 club, a lot of like people, you know, like rock and roll guys, they pass away, right? But not you, man. The 27 club has been revolutionized where instead of passing away, you thrive. You start kicking butt at age 27. That's what I'm saying.
1: My life actually started from 27 years
0: old. And you moved to Japan when you're 27 or? I moved to Japan when I was actually 23. And you're 23? Yeah, that's about when I came here, 25, 24, 25. Yeah, wow. It's a good age to come to Japan, I think.
1: <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I think it was just, uh, I actually came for a racquetball. So it was actually not a, I never had my life planned out where I, I had, I would be here this much year, this much year. It was pretty much as it came, my life was uh, just like a, Nice domino that just always fell in the right place. I got really lucky.
0: That is awesome. That is really cool. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, I guess I could kind of say the same thing to a degree. Interesting. It's funny what happens to you when you're in Japan, especially long term. You came to Japan to per, to play racquetball. <coughs> like your brother, he was a professional racquetball player, and were you as
1: well? Yes, I was. But you know, he was like he went to number one in the world. I was always a the scratching and biting, the journey racquetball player. So I never really um, was really that good, but I did try and hang into the pro tour and nothing like Egan. Egan was actually the real racquetball player. Is there any
0: similarities to racquetball, playing racquetball and, um, and fighting
1: in the ring? Well, I think the only similarity is, is, you know, have, you have that style of the, the different, you have the different types of uh, players, yeah. Like for example, you have the aggressive player, you have mm-hmm. the defensive player. So you have the different types of players that actually uh, play the sport. And I think your personality kind of comes out on the way you play and the the way you uh, retrieve shots or th- what type of shots you aim for. Mm-hmm. You either an aggressive player, or you're a very um, moderate uh, defensive player. And I kind of played like my the way I fought. Speaking of fighting
0: and getting into the ring. Is there any way to kind of explain the feeling of getting into the ring and having actual fist-to-fist combat with another person?
1: Well, you know, as you know, the the fights are decided ahead of time. So two or three months before your fight, you know a guy on the other end of the world is uh, professionally training to beat you or to hurt you. Yeah. So as you know, sports alone, there's jitters, there's anxiety. But in fighting, because the objective of the fight is to hurt you, there's a different type of uh, anxiety that really goes into the level of uh, a lot of fear. So, you know, a lot of fighters say they don't feel fear, but I think they're not being honest. I I, I feel a lot of fear. I mean, there's a lot of fear of getting hurt or a lot of, and, or if you're not a type of fighter that fears getting hurt, you fear losing. Cause yeah as you know fighting is such an unpredictable sport it can change with one lucky punch it can you know one wrong fall so there's never an outcome that's guaranteed so yeah the fear of losing i think is a is a type of fear that's pretty drastic and can create a lot of anxiety
0: wow I, i can't even imagine i mean the closest i think i could come to is like I was a DJ way back in a different life, you know, when they actually use records <laughs> and turntables. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of showing my age there a little bit. But um, yeah, it's just getting on stage the first, well, almost not for the first like year or so, getting on stage when you're not great, when you're not when you're not even good, but you're decent. Yeah, that's, that's pretty hardcore. And there's people in front of you and they're dancing. If you make one mistake, everybody hates your guts.
1: <laughs> one little mistake. Yeah, I think it's pretty good you can compare it to something like that, except that there's a little bit of a plus alpha where the guy, somebody's trying to hurt you. So there's a the anxiety level goes a little bit higher, but that's pretty much the same type of feeling where you're in front of a crowd. They're all watching you and you're got the pressure of not making a mistake. And, you know, so I think it's about the same thing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I think it's, well, it's similar feeling, I guess, but uh, fighting somebody in a ring. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine the anxiety like the night before. Oh gosh. Whenever I have to meet my accountant the night before I can't even sleep. So I can't even imagine <laughs> the next day meeting somebody that's going to kick my butt. You know, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't be able to sleep for a month. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. And and you fought, <clears throat> Vader, just in case if you didn't know, you fought in many, many different, um, I guess, organizations. For example, Pride, Shuto, uh, Tudo, Japan, and uh, the UFC.
1: Yeah. How was the yeah, UFC? Yeah. I mean, that must have been great. Well, yeah, the UFC, well, well, at the time, it wasn't like it is now. Dana White has created the UFC to be like a pretty amazing sport. Yeah, it's but back in the, the day, it was a smaller sport. It was considered human cockfighting. It was illegal in most states, so we probably barely made any money. Oh, and the UFC wow. that I fought in was UFC 13, and that was the last UFC that allowed you to fight barefisted.
0: Really? Yes. Wow! Like I don't want to ask, but I kind of do. How many
1: is how many times have you broken your knuckles? Just once. Just I broke once. This knuckle right here. Oh my gosh! But but after that, I've trained my hands and I got it real strong. So mm-hmm. I haven't broken a hand since. Oh
0: my goodness! Yeah, yeah, breaking a bone sucks. I think I've broken eleven bones. Skateboarding, BMXs, car wrecks. Yeah, yeah, it's never fun. Never a good time to break them. <laughs> you know the worst bone to break. I don't know if you can agree with me on this, but the worst bone that I broke. Out of all the bones, collar bones, ribs, arms, wrists, fingers, the worst bone that I ever broke was my big toe in two places. That oh, was it was the worst. It was a, of course, it was a stupid BMX accident. But oh my gosh, yeah, for like six weeks, walking was incredibly painful. Every time you walk, and you have no idea how often you move your big toe. Nobody thinks about moving your big toe, but whenever you walk, whenever you sneeze, whenever you, like, turn your head, for some reason, that big toe goes like that. It was the
1: worst. <laughs> wow. I never, I don't, I never thought of that.
0: Yeah. But you, you probably never broke any big toes or any toes in, like, MMA or anything, right? That's, that's not usually the bone no. that breaks. Well, no, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Dude, pe- people must break their toes when they kick, though, right? Well, they must. Yeah, but I have never. Yeah, all right. Well, you're lucky. Don't break a big toe. Stay away from those BMX bicycles. They're dangerous. <laughs> I will. You have a lot of gyms currently, like in Japan and other parts of the world? Yes. Yes. What kind of gyms do you have? Are they are they like weightlifting gyms? Like are they boxing gyms, MMA gyms, or
1: they're all MMA gyms. The only gym that I actually built and I'm affiliated with that I, it's not MMA is uh the Muay Thai gym in Thailand.
0: Muay Thai, cool. And which countries do you have gyms in?
1: Um, I have one in Thailand, Guam, Saipan, and uh, Hawaii, and a lot of affiliates in the USA. And I also have a purebred in Malaysia. Wow.
0: You must have the best business trips in the world. Oh, I love it when I go visit my gyms. Oh, my God. It's like the best. It's the best food. like out of all those countries I'm like oh yeah the food there is great. Yeah yeah the food there is great too. Oh Thailand. Oh I love Thai food. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How do you stay so fit? That's ridiculous. I just be eating so much. I'm like ah oh, this is a business trip. I'm writing everything off. <laughs> I can't say I stay fit but I try. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh my goodness. That that must be absolutely amazing. And of course you've got you got a gym in Japan too, right? Yes. Of course. Of course. Cool. And what's the name of the gym in Japan? Just in case we got a lot it's of people pure that- bread. Pure bread. Yes, that's right. That's a good name, man. You're pretty good with the names for companies. You should work in advertising. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you've been in Japan for a very long time. And in your time in Japan, you've done some very incredible things for the good people of Japan and for the country. And uh, one thing that I read that really, really kind of made me almost feel emotional was that you, um, after the 2011 earthquake, which was a horrible, horrible situation in the country of Japan, the beautiful country that we live in, um, a, a lot of bad things happened in the Tohoku area. a lot of buildings, a lot of people passed away. But as soon as that happened, you went there and when you went there, you you helped people, you passed on food, you 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 brought people to safety. I mean, you were basically Superman. I mean <laughs> what you did was absolutely incredible. but then you left, you left Tohoku. And then you came back to Tokyo for a bit or Saitama and then you returned. Can you tell me about when you returned? Can you tell me about
1: that? Well yeah, I, I actually to the to date I've actually had 62 trips up north. Wow. So I would go you know it was it was all in different phases. First there were an evacuation centers needed food. Mm-hmm. Then they moved to temporary housing. Mm-hmm. And they needed the basic necessities like water, body soap, Shampoo, you know, toothpaste. Yeah. And then now they're moved back into their houses, which still has the same amount of radiation. And I actually lost touch with them. So now my missions now are more towards the orphanage that I have a relationship with in Fukushima. So we buy the orphan shoes every year.
0: That is amazing.
1: 57 of them.
0: That's fantastic. And um, can people, can some of our listeners, well, not some. can all of our listeners, hey, I'm talking to you guys out there, listeners and people watching, how can they support you and your
1: cause? Well, I have an NCNOA foundation that the funds are used all for the people up north. Hmm. So you can, uh, you know, make a donation there. That's probably the most direct way to help with my association. That's
0: fantastic. Awesome. Okay, I'll put that down in the show notes. Spaders, go down in the show notes. <laughs> and um, also, you you went up there and you not only helped like the good people of Tohoku,
1: but you also helped animals. Is that correct? Yes. We went into the exclusion zone where the radio show went high. We actually snuck into the zone. No, no, you, didn't. no you didn't. No, you didn't. Oh. Well, actually, <laughs> I, went in, uh, the, I went in through another name. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so you you went up north and um, what did you do? Uh, We brought uh, buckets of dog food and uh, mixed it up with um, wet food and dry food and we went around the town, driving around, finding animals and uh, feeding them. And it it was uh, bittersweet because they would come out to eat, but we couldn't bring them out, so we had to leave them. It was nice to see that we were feeding their hunger, but it was sad to know that we couldn't bring them with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. That must have been really hard. But um, I, I think, like, when I read about that, I was just like, oh, my goodness. That is, like, I mean, during the whole, during that time, everybody was doing everything they could to support the good people of Tohoku. I mean, um, I had a couple of art art shows and we donated the money. And um, yeah, everybody was just doing everything and anything they could to support and help out. And um, yeah, for you to go up there and help all these people, that was just amazing. But not even that, just that, you actually went back on your dime with a truckload of dog food and you spent days feeding like homeless or displaced dogs and even cats. That is, that is Mm -hmm. awesome because I mean, I'm, I mean, for all the feeders that have been listening to the show for a long time, I love animals. I love animals, dogs, cats, rabbits, ferrets, I've had them all. And um, yeah, so that, that was really powerful. When I read that, I was like, man, this guy really is Superman, (laughs) man. Okay. All right. Forward to my next question. Um, Okay. I got to ask you about this. I was debating if I should ask you about this, but I was just like, I'm going to do it. Okay, you you worked for Vice, Vice Magazine, Vice Online, Vice, I don't know, Vice SNS or whatever. And um, Vice, you did a show called punk, Vice versus Punk versus Hip Hop. Yeah. That was an interesting concept. I had no idea. I was just like, I was like kind of rolling around the internet. And then I found that I was like, punk versus hip hop with <laughs> Vice. And Ensign's in it.
1: I gotta check this out, and I watched it. and It was actually pretty interesting. How did that? How did that start? Well, I got a call from Vice, and they wanted me to uh, be a part of their show. And uh-huh. they, it was interesting because what they did was they had two rival, you know, groups that you know not like gangs or anything, but they're rival um, groups that they're like different types of music. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but uh, I guess there's a little bit of a rivalry between hip hop and punk. What? I didn't even know that either until I saw it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like rock
0: and hip hop, kind of like Run DMC and Aerosmith. Remember that Walk This This Way video? Walk Walk This Way. Yeah. (laughs) They're all fighting. And then at the end, they become friends and they start dancing around and everything's cool. You know, I, I thought that was I was like punk rock.
1: Those guys are tough. I, I know some punk rock guys. You you don't want to mess with them. Yeah. So apparently punk rock and hip hop have a little bit of a spat going. Not not that we don't know of, you know, us normal people don't know of.
0: Yeah. Wow. That was wild. Um, I, I liked your first episode. That was that was great. Um, faders, it's in YouTube. Just Google it. And um, yeah, uh, no spoilers. Who won? No spoilers, no spoilers. Let's keep it to ourselves. Let's keep it to ourselves. I saw it, of course, but yeah. I was impressed. <laughs> I was surprised too, to be honest. But uh, yeah, that was good. So they just called you up and said, "We got this great concept: hip hop versus punk." And you're like, "I like hip hop. I like punk. I like I like fighting." Yeah, let's do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could train them and I trained them and watched the fights and watched the interactions. It was really fun. It was a good experience. Vice. Uh did a really good show on them. It was interesting to be a part of it.
0: Yo, faders, the holiday season is slowly creeping up and there's only one way to stay ahead of present panic. And that's by shopping for the holidays early. This year, don't stress about finding something cool for your friends, family, and or significant other. Get something special and unique by commissioning an original popsic painting from yours truly. Or by purchasing a masterpiece from the Spilt Inks website. Yo, that's right. Look down in Got Faded Japan's episode notes and click on the Spilt Inks website link and take a look around and find something exciting. So this year, forget about the holiday rush. Forget about stress and forget about stressing on getting a cool present for that special person. This year, take care of yourself then you can only take care of yourself by getting an original piece of artwork that's going to last you and or that significant other, friend, family, boss, neighbor, enemy, whatever, that's going to last them a lifetime. All right, Saito-san, cut off the Christmas music. It's not even December yet.
1: Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks?
0: Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita
1: Street. See you there!
0: Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to... about a five-minute walk from the station. It's liquors. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azubu-Juvan. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. You walked across the country, the ma- mainly in Japan. How was that, and how many pairs of shoes did you go through?
1: Um, I actually, I went through just one pair. I used the same pair throughout the whole walk. And yeah, it was a trek from north to south, and it was uh, one 1,360 miles. And it took us 68 days.
0: 68 days. Oh my goodness. That is incredible. And, and how did you, why did you start this? Like, I mean, that's I've heard of people riding their bicycles like Mama Cherries and uh, all sorts of bicycles from Tokyo to Osaka. And I've actually heard of one guy named Barefoot Rob that walked from the south part of uh, Yokohama all the way up to Niigata north, which took him a month. But I've never heard of anybody walking completely directly across Japan from left to right or west to east.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, done to um, raise money for the people up north. Um, we did it where people would pledge, uh, a, like, say, a, a penny a mile or 10 cents a mile, depending what they wanted to pledge. And we, I did it because I wanted to put myself in the same situation as the people up the north and show them that without the help of other people, we wouldn't be able to make it. So the uh, specifications of the walk was that I had to – we never i didn't buy any food or water and didn't pay spend any money on uh any hotels or anything so of course we got put up we got fed and without the help of the people we would have never made it across so yeah that was uh the reason why I did that and you asked me about my shoes yeah this is the shoes I used on the walk oh my goodness they
0: still look brand
1: new that's crazy no,
0: i'm joking <laughs> wow.
1: wow and uh, And I also did the pilgrimage, uh, Shikoku pilgrimage, and this is the shoe I used at Shikoku
0: pilgrimage. Oh, my God. They're trophies. That's incredible. Ensign, that's
1: awesome. That's me on the pilgrimage, and you can see the shoes right there. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I got them side by side in my shop.
0: Wow. Holy smokes. You know, because... Everybody that comes into your shop, they're like, hey, uh, why are the shoes up there? Now you got a great story to tell them. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I had a couple of plus customers every trip that I come back. They asked me, what are those shoes are up there?
0: <laughs> like, I know in Japan you take off your shoes, but do you really put them on a shelf? Take <laughs> them off and put them on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where I put mine. <laughs> oh, man. Very cool. Very cool. All right. And in my last few questions. Okay. All right. You're doing a lot of sauna therapy, and you're doing cold plunge therapy.
1: Yes. Let's talk about I'm that addicted. for a second. I'm in. I'm addicted to that, man. I mean, if you Google cold benefits to cold therapy, there's so many benefits. I mean, not just mentally, but physically, emotionally. And I read about it. I tried it out, and I got so addicted to it that – there's there's rarely a day I go without a cold plunge. i I usually every wow. day I start my day every day in a cold plunge. The I took a trip to Vegas a couple weeks ago and I didn't have anywhere to cold plunge. So that was the only time I did it without a cold plunge. But other than that, you know, when I'm in Japan, I have I built a cold plunge at my house. Yeah. And I start my day with a cold plunge. And you know, that's if you notice my social media, to kill time, I do a lot of um, you know. Talking in it, like my ideas, uh, if I went to a situation I want to talk about, I'm going to go in the cold months to pass the time.
0: <laughs>
1: that, is, that is fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Every time your Instagram pops up, I always see you cold plunging. I'm like, wow, man, that is brave. That is brave. Yeah. I I took a cold shower once when I forgot to push the heater button, you know, because in Japan, you got to push the (laughs) heater button. And I'm like, what is going on here? But I'll tell you what, when I got out of that shower, you know, it was actually, I was very awake, very sharp, very focused. It was actually better than a cup of coffee. And I was very cold. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Man. And so, so there's so many benefits. How long have you been doing this? Six months now, every day. Wow, six months. And from when you started it to now, you can tell a major difference?
1: <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely a major difference. And, you know, I'm looking forward to going back to Japan because it's going be, to be the winter. So it's getting cold. I've never really done in the winter before. I was always jumping in from the hot summers and getting in the cold. I think that should to be a lot harder to already be cold and have to jump in the cold water. So we'll see.
0: Well, you know what? Like some people here have have been saying that this is going to be a warm winter, and other people have been saying that it's going to be a very, very cold winter. So maybe if you go outside, you know, to take the cold plunge, that water might be
1: warmer than being outside. (laughs) Maybe it might be. I think Saitama, where I live, uh, the water that I, the temperature that I have my water at now Mm -hmm. is probably going to be a lot colder. Wow. And what's the coldest that you've plunged at? Um Celsius, zero degrees.
0: That's cold.
1: <laughs>
0: this is zero. I-, I was expecting maybe 10, <laughs> 0. zero
1: degrees degrees for three minutes.
0: Wow. That is that is that's that's wild. And I know a lot of athletes do this now. Like a lot of like football players, basketball players. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And okay, you also do like sauna therapy, and I love saunas. I, I stayed in Finland for well over a month when I was in high school, and that's a long story. and in in Finland, at least back then, from my understanding, every apartment, every house has a sauna built into it, you know? So I loved it. Lots of fun, good times. But um oh, tell me about the benefits of uh, saunas and heat therapy.
1: Yeah, sauna also has a lot of benefits. You know, it, it also, um, you know, it's it's good recovery for the muscles. Mm-hmm. And it also, for me, it helps me sleep. I mean, before, I, I usually do the sauna at night before I sleep. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, yeah, it really helps me sleep well. And I get a good sweat, get the toxins out of my body. I mean, there's so much benefits to it. If you Google sauna therapy benefits, mm-hmm. there's a lot there good benefits to it.
0: Yeah, and actually in Japan, it's kind of popular now. It's kind of a sauna boom, which is really good. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I got one at my house, infrared. So in the morning you do extreme cold, and then in the evening you do extreme heat. So you're kind of like it's kind of like the McDLT of like body training, I guess. Do you remember the
1: McDLT? Yeah, the hot stays hot, the cold stays cold. Uh, Event there's definitely so many health benefits to both cold therapy and sauna therapy. And you know, at my age now at you know, 56, I'm you know, I'm really wanting to um take care of my health. Yeah, where I just you know we're I'm past that age where I'm young and I think I can conquer everything. Yeah, you don't I look know. 56 at all.
0: I thought we we're oh, kind of you. the same <laughs> age a little bit. I was like, I know you're a little older than me because you told me the year you're born, but I'm bad with math. I'm like, Oh yes, yeah, so we probably went to high school together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent, man. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So I got, I got to start doing that, man. I mean, you look young, you look really young, man. That's, right, that's, that's man. awesome. Thank very you. cool. Okay. And all right. All right. I'm going to kick myself in the butt if I don't ask this question, but uh the last time we talked about fish and you had a very, very beautiful
1: fish tank and you had a lot of fish swimming around. How are the fish? They're good. They're happy. Uh, You know, my, my wife Sarah has been taking care of them for me and she, she, always sends me videos of them she sends me videos mm-hmm. of her feeding them and i get to see the fish You know, i get to see my fish being good being fed being taken care of oh there you go there it is oh man that's awesome look at that dude so right now currently i have about 150 koi. yeah
0: that is amazing they're, they're great fish man that's that's fantastic yeah, awesome Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I had a fish tank, a big fish tank when I was a kid in high school. And uh, yeah, I just fell in love with fish. I was just so like relaxing and mesmerizing watching them swim around oh, and just, they're therapy, all, fish therapy. yeah, fish therapy. <laughs> there you go. Oh my goodness. Oh man. Well, Thank you so much for being on Got Fitted Japan. Um, I know you're super busy, so I'm just going to kind of let you go and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here once again. And uh, I'm really glad that you got to uh, just tell the faders all the wonderful things that you're doing in all the places that you've been. And um, oh, yeah. Speaking of, all right, we talked about the past with the present. What about the future? Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> the future? The future. The future is I'm training students now. Mm hmm. And hopefully I can uh, get a student that's going to be a big world champion again someday. So yeah, I'm um, spending a lot of time training students.
0: Oh, that's marvelous. Absolutely fantastic. Well, you know what? I think MMA is great, but uh, yeah, I, I, there's no way I can train, man. Well, I, I can train, but there's no way I can fight. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm past my prime. Seriously, that's what my doctor says. He says, Johnny, on the outside, you look good. But on the inside... Ooh. <laughs> and i'm like wait is that ooh or is that ooh like the, 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 I'm, I'm kind of confused with this
1: ooh. What, ooh is that? Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's like it's not the guru i'm like oh man i gotta start eating broccoli and drinking water more ooh. oh man <laughs> all right well ensign thank you so much for being on the show um faders uh thank you so much for tuning into this very very special episode of got fitted japan um ensign's all, all his SNS and everything that he does and supports will be down in the show notes. Go down there, check it out, support him. He's doing great stuff. And uh, go to his shop. If you go to Hawaii on vacation or if you're going there on business, you know, check out his shop and stuff. Look at his shoes. He's got a lot of great stuff there. And uh, I will definitely see you there. Faders, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, hook up Got Faded Japan on SNS. If you get a chance, that'd be great too. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace
1: my own brother a goddamn shit-sucking vampire oh you eat till okay. mom finds out buddy i've got a government job to abuse and lonely wife to fuck as far
0: back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster
1: <laughs> god the pressure i can't take it <laughs> i can't take it i can't stand, it. I can't stand to it <laughs> Serious, man? We're going freaky! Yes. We came, we
0: saw, we kicked his ass. Your
1: move, creep. Oh, man, I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up, repugnant shit. Yeah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.